This is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, episode number 53. This is a podcast for product managers, product marketers, innovators, and entrepreneurs, people who are trying to find market problems, creating solutions to those problems, and taking the solutions to market. I also talk about a lot of critical skills for business success, like persuasion and influence. And today, I'm going to talk about how there's nothing new under the sun. Even though we live in a very technologically advanced era in human history, and the world around us is always changing, it's changing constantly, faster and faster, in some areas there's not that much new under the sun or in the world. And this applies particularly to products, what makes them great, and how companies succeed based on selling them. In many ways, the same old rules apply that have applied literally for millennia, for thousands of years. And the people who really discovered and codified these rules, which was not thousands of years ago, some of them in the last century, at least some of the most important rules were the old school direct marketers. And we can learn a lot from them as product managers and product marketers today. So I've been reading Over Deliver by one of the modern day gurus of direct marketing. His name is Brian Kurtz. He's been around long enough to learn from people who learned from some of the original stars, like Claude Hopkins, who wrote a book called Scientific Advertising in 1923, and David Ogilvie, who transformed advertising in the 50s and 60s, and he talks about that in a book called Ogilvie on Advertising. Anyway, Brian Kurtz's book talks a lot about a lot of these old direct marketing stars and current ones as well. It's a very interesting read. I also learned separately that Claude Hopkins, the guy who wrote Scientific Advertising in 1923, he was paid a salary, this was, remember, in the 1920s, $185,000 a year by his agency, by the advertising agency he worked in. That's over $4.7 million in today's money. That was his salary. So you can imagine how effective his approach must have been, and that's what his book Scientific Advertising is actually all about. He felt he was morally obligated to share his insights, the ones that made him millions of dollars, with the world in return for his success. So that's a nice, generous thing. And all of the direct marketers who have followed have recommended Claude Hopkins' book, Scientific Advertising. In fact, Jay Abraham, who is sort of one of the modern-day gurus of direct marketing and marketing in general, he says you need to read the book seven times. So I haven't read the book all of one time yet. I've read part of it. but <laughs> So I've got a little ways to go before I become the marketing genius that uh, perhaps I was meant to be. So not only did those direct mail marketers develop a bunch of the metrics and rules and things that lean marketers of today have kind of rediscovered, but they did it in the old days when there were no computers and no spreadsheets, nothing but people counting mailed-in responses by hand sometimes with Ph.D. statisticians crunching the numbers on paper. As Bob Sutton, who is a business book author and a Stanford professor, says, there are no new ideas. And in fact, he actually claims this to be Bob Sutton's law. If you think that you have a new idea, you are wrong. Someone else probably already had it. This idea isn't original either. I stole it from someone else. So I'll link to his blog. He has a great blog with a lot of fantastic articles about business that will open up your mind, I think. 
Unfortunately, he hasn't done much writing on the blog in the last couple of years, but he is active on Twitter. He's great. I'll put links to the Bob Sutton stuff in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 53. That's where you'll find all the other links as well. There's a link links to the Brian Kurtz book and a number of other things as well. So as Kurtz discusses at length in the book, there's an old direct marketing rule of thumb, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. He calls this the 40-40-20 rule. He actually updates it slightly, given his experience, to the 41-39-20 rule. It's a rule for successful product sales. And basically speaking, here is how the rule breaks down. 40% of your sales results from a sales campaign are due to the list. That is, who you are targeting with your sales efforts, the actual people that you're pitching to. 40% of the sales results are due to the offer, that is, the product, the solution, that you're selling. And 20% is due to the sales content itself, the copywriting, the packaging, the sales materials, maybe the salesperson if you're doing direct sales. So this actually, of course, makes a lot of sense. You can only be successful selling a product if it's actually good. If your product sucks, no one will pay for it, even if you give it away to a targeted list with a great sales letter. Of course, you really need to sell it to the people that need it. If you try selling it to the wrong people, they're just not going to buy it. Now, a lot of marketers unfortunately miss this when they don't pay attention to the quality of their product, which leads to the 40-40-20 rule falling apart. Now, as I said, Kurtz actually calls it the 41-39-20 rule because he says that the list is a little more important than the offer itself. Now, as a product manager, we can quibble about this. The point is that they're both very important, that you're selling to the right people and that you're selling a good thing. So why am I talking about this in this episode? Well, this is a mental model. Like a lot of the things I talk about here, it's to help you think better and to make better decisions. It's not to actually try to figure out, well, am I doing 40% of my effort on the list and 40% on the product or anything like that? That's not what this rule is meant to be. It's meant for you to help think through the fact that, oh, I need to be selling to the right people. I need to be selling them the right thing. And what I say about that is somewhat less important if I've addressed those first two things. Another way to say that is the wisdom of many highly successful marketers tells us that understanding our buyer and what motivates them is at least as important as what we are selling them. And of course, that those two things have to be aligned. And it also kind of talks about what needs to come first. You need to understand your seller first. So how does this tie into product management? Well, you've heard me talk many times about the fundamental product management activities are to find and validate market problems, then drive the creation of a differentiated solution to the problem, and then take the solution to market. And I've also always said that the most important of these is finding a market problem worth solving. The product isn't really worth much if no one cares about what it does, and all sales efforts, no matter how beautiful and well-formed, are for nothing. Now, especially for the go-to-market component of having a successful product, you need to have all of these components in your pocket, the problem you solve, for whom, and why your solution is better. And my point is that this isn't really new because it really echoes the 40-40-20 rule in some ways. And it probably, there's even earlier rules that Claude Hopkins wrote about in scientific advertising. As I said, I haven't fully read that book. So Kurtz's focus as a marketer is a little different from mine as a product manager, but you can come to the same conclusions using either his model or my framework. I'll talk about some things you can do to, today to put these ideas into practice. 
I'm going to start with three of Brian Kurtz's suggestions related to lists, and these are lifted directly from his book. They're quotes from his book. And I'll, of course, there's a link to the book in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 53. Your list is the most important asset in your business, but never forget that your list is made up of real people. Think of them like family members who deserve your love and respect. Number two, listen to your list. This lets you pick niches where you can go really deep instead of going shallow across a wide range of niches. Just as importantly, listen to your audience when they tell you they want to go deeper on a particular subject, whether they tell you explicitly or you can infer it from their buying behavior. And for the third quote, analyzing the recency, frequency, and monetary data of your customer database might be the most high leverage thing you can do with that list of names. So recency means how recently did what this list member do something in response to your to your marketing or your sales effort. Frequency is how often did they buy, and monetary is how much did they spend. So looking at the that kind of data can be applied to tiny lists just as well as huge lists. Although when you have a huge list, you might need to bring on a statistician to help you manage it all. And regardless of the list size, the recency, frequency, and monetary data should always be used to determine the types of campaigns being sent to different segments. So those are the three quotes from Brian Kurtz. But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely to be a product manager. So I can give you some more product manager-specific guidelines. So if you're a product manager and not a direct marketer per se, how do you use this mental model? What is the mapping from list, offer, copy to things that we can control in the product management area? Well, here's a one way to think about it. First of all, think about your list as the segment that has the problem your product solves and how you're going to reach that segment. You've probably gone out and you've talked to people to find out what their problems are, and you've got some sense of, of course, the problem, but you also know the characteristics of the people that have that problem. I would be fine if you also included into the sort of list concept some ideas about how you're going to articulate for that segment that you have a solution for their problem. Another thing to think about is you can start with a mental exercise. What is the perfect list to market to? The perfect list to market to is the exact people who will eventually, but not too long from now, buy your product. In other words, the people who are likely to buy soon, or the people not even likely who will buy soon. And who should not be on your list? Well, it's the people who will never buy your product, or maybe also the people who will only buy your product in a year or so and not soon. Obviously, you can't really target so perfectly on a list like that. You can't have that perfect list. But one of the things you can and must do as a product manager is to define the universe in which those first people are found. And the tighter you can define that universe, the better. Now, as a product manager, it's likely that you're not actually going to be going out and addressing those people. You're gonna, that's going to be a function of marketing, of product marketing, rather than you as a product manager. But you need to define for the product marketing organization who those people are. So how do you define that universe? Well, those are the people that have the problem you solve. They're the ones that are unhappy with their existing solution or with their other options for the solving the problem. And they have a budget or money to spend on a solution. And this problem is one of their biggest challenges right now. So if you can satisfy those four things, those are the people that are most likely to buy. So that's how I interpret the list part of the 40-40-20 formula in product management terms. So what about the offer? 
what is the offer component from the product management standpoint? Well, the offer is basically a combination of this product that you have that solves that problem for that segment. And the offer is really about how this is the right solution for that segment. It's a better solution to the problem than the other alternatives for whatever reasons you have. That's the offer. Now, this offer is going to be tied up inextricably with the copy, how you talk about it, of course. But the copy can be kind of less good if the offer is more good. That is, you need to make sure that you have the basics handled before you start wordsmithing or working with a copywriter to wordsmith. This sounds a lot like another list of three things that I've talked about. I have an article called The Three Secret Characteristics of All Successful Products, and that article is about Doug Hall's Three Laws of Marketing Physics. So there's a link to that article and a video I did about the three laws in the show notes. The three laws are about the problem and how you solve it, which is what Doug Hall calls the overt benefit. What is the overt benefit of this product? The second law is about the dramatic difference. Why is your solution the best alternative for the specific segment? And then the third law is that there has to be a real reason to believe in your claims. So this is how you prove that your solution is the best one. How You have to prove two things, really. You have to prove that your solution does solve the problem, and you have to prove that your solution is a better solution than the other alternatives that the prospect might have. Okay, so that's the offer. Now, what about the copy? Well, obviously, the first thing is focus on the problem, who has the problem, and how your solution is superior first. That's the first 80% of this equation or this rule. So as I said, the con content itself, the copywriting, can be less good if you've got the rest of the equation nailed. I kind of associate the copy component of this equation with what's called growth marketing. Improving the copy can help your sales grow, for sure incrementally, and sometimes much more. But if you focus on copy or growth marketing before you've figured out the other 80%, in other words, before you really have a solution to an important problem that you know who's going to buy and you can offer it to them, then your marketing efforts will really have just incremental results and you'll be leaving most of the value on the table. Or you'll be spending a lot of money for a very small amount of return. That's the way I think about the copy. It's kind of the growth marketing, the incremental, the polish, the icing on the cake. Once you have figured out the market, the list, who you're going to sell it to, and you've made sure that the solution is a really good solution. That's a little talk about the 40-40-20 rule, how you can think about it from a product management standpoint. I highly recommend Kurtz's book, Over Deliver. And as I say, there's a link in the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 53. The book comes with a lot of really amazing bonuses, including hours of video, PDFs of some out-of-print copywriting books, swipe files, and a whole bunch more. Well, I put a, a link to the page that has the bonuses on it. So if you buy the book, and then you go to the bonus page, you can get all the bonuses by showing your receipt, basically. Really good book, highly recommended. It'll keep you occupied for a long time, but there's many, many really good ideas uh, on how to market your products better. In the show notes, I'll also link to a few other related articles and books for your further edification about marketing and all the things related. On the show notes page, you'll also find links to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The great benefit of subscribing, of course, is that you get new episodes automatically when I release them, which is usually, but not always, 
once a week on Monday or Tuesday, depending on how the weekend went, to be honest. You can help others find this podcast, if you think that's a good thing, by rating and reviewing it on iTunes or by clicking the recommend button in your podcast player of choice. Your recommendations help other product managers and innovators find the podcast, and so it really helps me out and it spreads the word, and I hope it helps others to get some of the ideas from this podcast. And, of course, you can also just share the podcast with your friends and colleagues directly. Most players have a way to just email the podcast link. So there's more information on the show notes page, including how to get in touch with me directly, and there's a comments section. I'd love to hear from you. There's a link to my book and a lot more. So this has been episode number 53 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. And until the next episode, this is Nels Davis. Bye-bye. Ignition.